0: welcome to speak the truth a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating equipping and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship hello 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 we are yo, yo. Back.
1: We're technically not in studio. We're at the conference. Well, so. our
0: studio is mobile. Mm-hmm. We're at the 2020 Call to Council conference that is several months overdue, but we are here. Yes. And, uh, and
1: live stream is working well. Praise yes. the Lord. That's exciting.
0: Yes, it is. It's very good.
1: Whoever so, listens to this and is tuning in, uh, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. It's been so good so far, right?
0: Yeah, it really has. I Especially
1: mean, the panel discussion since I let it. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah. That was what, embarrassing.
0: What? Your little joke on how many books that Elise has published? I don't and know. Written. Was that a
1: successful joke or was it a fail?
0: Well, the fact that you stalled out on it. Yeah. Like how many books?
1: I was committed to the joke, but like...
0: At the expense of the fail.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> so nerve wracking. <laughs> the fact that I was even sitting next to her was like incredibly intimidating. Did
0: you feel like, Lee? You're among your peers You know, and but here,
1: Here's what I've noticed though, man. She is, I mean, she's just teaching back to back and just obviously as a woman of the word um to have women who model that for us is such an encouragement and a blessing so obviously we love her as an ABC partner, but it's just been just awesome just watching her lead out and just all the truth. Man, she's not shying away. She is she's hitting us, isn't, isn't she, with the gospel and being real? She's very transparent. And so it's been it's been pretty cool. But anyway, enough of all that. Watch watch all the videos back. Um, and we at this point have covered the counseling through the psalms. And so we invited John Henderson.
0: Yeah, John, long overdue. Yeah, sitting here on this, this one
2: too long. Yeah, Good we asked him, we you. asked him
1: him the first conference by the way everybody in 2019 and he was like you passed the torch to lee right you were like oh lee can talk about depression because he's on the track with you
2: oh i can't i just can't remember we were trying to talk have i been on this thing before yeah and maybe that was this the one shot. you were in the room but <laughs> you were was... not on the mic yeah, okay. yeah yeah so this
1: is your first one so we're yeah. thankful to have you i'm sure no one's um everybody's familiar with you that's listening john's the author of the Equipped to Counsel book he's also um on uh, the board member of the biblical counseling coalition and um uh, what else do you want people to know?
2: And also, board member here with ABC. Yeah, absolutely, on the board of, Association of Counselors. Yep. Yeah, regular tender here, and at the lead conference. pastor in Arkansas. So, associate pastor, also, University uh-huh. Baptist Church yep. in Fayetteville, Arkansas, overseeing the counseling, family ministries there of the church. And yeah, pretty new to that position in the last month. Before that, was at Delray Baptist Church in Northern Virginia, in Alexandria, serving over the counseling and equipping and care ministries there at Delray. So, that's, yeah, good to be here with you.
1: That's awesome. Well, we uh, had our pre-conference this year. Has ABC ever? had a pre-conference? I was trying to think about that. There
2: was a time, yes, in the past we had different pre-conference times. Yep. Okay. Okay.
1: I wasn't for sure, but that was one of the things when I joined the ABC team, I was like, we need to have a pre-conference because man, when you check in these three days, you just want to glean and learn as much as you possibly can. But one of the things that I always wanted to really learn more when I left some of these uh, counseling conferences was how can I just give me some scripture, give me some nuggets of how to use the word in the actual counseling room. And so when we were talking through like what book of the Bible would be great. To launch a pre conference for the ABC, it was the Psalms, obviously, right? And lamenting and, and just um, obviously filled with emotions. And obviously, there's just so much fruit at the end of the day. And so, John, Elise, and Lee Lewis led us uh, out this morning in walking us through certain scriptures and revealing the truth, but then obviously how to apply it to our life and use it in the counseling room. But going into that, as we tied it in, knowing that this was coming up, obviously, initially in April, but now here we are in September. ABC wanted to create a resource to put in your hands because at the end of the day, there's 150 Psalms. So three pre-conference sessions just isn't going to be enough. And quite honestly, it's only going to get us hungry for more. So I came up with the idea of creating a booklet here that and asked a lot of ministry partners to say, hey, could you just take a Psalms and write in this particular template? what is the Psalms, right? Kind of the overall thought process here in that, in that Psalms. How would you use this in a counseling session? And then how would you use it after the session for like homework? And um, I'm just, I was so um, encouraged by the outpour of our ministry partners who um, who submitted a, uh, a Psalms for this booklet. And, you know, quite honestly, I didn't even say, hey, I want to cover all the Psalms. Some of them even wrote duplicate Psalms. But what I loved about that was the fact that now as you guys read read it when you get this book and you read it it's so cool to see how there's actually three different people who did Psalms 21 how they took the same template and they use the Psalms in three different ways of how to use it in the counseling room, right? So I, I I wanted to leave that in there. I don't wanna just do one, like, let's show the versatility. Well, just really the fruit of God's word, right? And how yeah. we can multiply use it. But anyway, so just a few people, just, you know, um, those of you who like Garrett Higby and, and Deepak and Jonathan Holmes, um, we got Brad Hambrick in here, uh, Greg Wilson, obviously John Henderson. Uh, Amy Baker, um, I don't know, man, there's just so many people. So Mark Shaw and um, a lot of our training center ministry partners. And so this is a book that you can purchase on christiancounseling.com. And it's just filled with lots of Psalms for you to not only grow as a counselor, but to know how to use the Psalms in the counseling room. So John, now that you're on the podcast with us, what are your, just obviously you taught on Psalms this morning and you were a huge contributor to this book. Talk to us.
2: Yeah. I mean, praise God for this, even looking down and seeing all these Psalms and authors that have watched through various Psalms and then given us a resource to use in the counseling room. Yeah, I mean, you look across the centuries of the church and if you were to accumulate the volume of things that have been written on the Psalms, yeah, not just the number of commentaries, the number of devotional, the number of sermons that have been preached, I mean, it is tens of thousands of reflections and just wisdom that are drawn. There's just something, I think, especially if there's suffering, if there's pain, if there's heartache, if there's broken relationships, if there's confusion about the world in which we live, there just the things that counseling tends to start with that brings people for ministry. The Psalms just seems to jump straight into it mm-hmm. without a warm-up. Just open into the Psalms and you can just begin in any number of them and see, okay, what this author of this psalm is crying out is the thing that I feel. Mm -hmm. This is the thing Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking. This is what I'm facing. And then what's so beautiful about it, and it's it's to God Mm -hmm. and it's from God. And so there's the psalms just naturally models for us a Godwardness to our prayers, a Godwardness to our thinking, our Godwardness to what we do with suffering and pain. And so therefore, it's natural that it would fit in the thinking of every biblical counselor. a a growing familiarity with the Psalms, delight in the Psalms, application of the Psalms, and just learning how to go into the Psalms with those who seek counseling and care from us. And so, yeah, super encouraged by this resource, really thankful
1: for it. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, Michael, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, my initial thought is, you know, just to to what John's saying uh, with the Psalms, it's it's like when the baby comes out of the womb, just crying, like it just, life hits that fast and Psalms don't waste any time just talking about the reality of life. But the beautiful thing about it is right out of the gate, it has this interpretive lens in which th- the three of you guys this morning uh, really kind of alluded to that, that theme of struggle and even having those uh, vulnerable moments of struggle and crying out to God, whether it's struggling in our faith or just the reality of the wicked prospering around us. Mm-hmm. Um, just those different things. I mean even when John did Psalm 73, you know I mean he did one of my favorite psalms and he brought something there that I just I hadn't seen before. You know, and was um, that the,
1: really your favorite songs?
0: One of my favorite. One songs, of them. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Well, <laughs> the fact that that my heart and flesh may fail, but He is my portion forever. That's one of my favorite yeah. verses. Um, because what it does is it just reminds me of, of my frailty. You know, and that He really is my portion, and the the reality which I think was your sixth point to to walk away with is man he is my portion that it's almost, he's put it into life that these things, though I gifted you with these things, they're going to fail you. It's Mm -hmm. almost like this fail safe to help us not rely on the gift, but focus on the giver, you know? And, um, and it, it just, it has this, this, now Lee was saying, I I don't want to use the word raw, but there is, there's this raw sense of just life and reality and brokenness that it, it doesn't matter what, what people are going through like if you read the psalms i mean there's every area of brokenness in the psalms by people that love the lord that struggled but it's there
2: which is why this is so helpful in counseling yeah yeah are you anxious i mean there's psalms that tackle that straight on are you yeah. Mm-hmm. despairing fearful. yeah why are you in despair oh my soul mm-hmm. you know hope in god you know the psalm 42 and you know are you angry Yeah. there's psalms that just take you where you're angry? Are you confused? Are you doubting? It literally verbalizes what people are thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the things that's most helpful there is it gives a language and a vocabulary putting words to what is going on. That feels, you know, I was even thinking about Psalm 77 where just, yeah, another Psalm of Asaph where he is, Just in a hard place, in a weighty place, he's discouraged, he's despairing, he's not sleeping because of it. even says, you know, when I remember God, verse 3, I moan, when I meditate, my spirit faints, you hold my eyelids open. This is him talking to the Lord, like, I'm I'm not sleeping, and I'm pretty sure you're behind it. And he says, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. And even just that idea of, and, and I think we've all been there different times, where the weight is so great, the suffering so heavy, the thing we're facing so difficult, there aren't words for it. Like we feel speechless and the Psalms are just this gift from the Lord to say, well, here's some words to put words to what is going on, to give you a vocabulary for both understanding it, but also vocabulary to begin to cry out to God in a, in a way that um, yeah, moves you toward him and then prepares your heart to actually hear words from him and what does he say in response where now does his word lead you so that you don't stay in anger so you don't stay in anxiety so you don't sit there in despair so you don't just wallow under whatever it might be but with his counsel he guides us right yeah. that was and psalm 73
0: i just even you use in uh you know psalm 77 with verse 4 you hold my eyelids open i am so troubled i cannot speak like when we are when we're sitting with people and and people are depressed like that's depressive language mm-hmm. you know and so we literally can go to this psalm specifically that very verse and have a conversation about depression. And we can enter into that with him. We may not you know, be able to fully understand it, but to your point, there's language here where we can see that, yeah, that sounds very depressive. Like, let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, and it's the spirit of the Lord that is inspiring Asaph to say this, and the irony of it. I'm so troubled I can't speak, is <laughs> yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that there's something deeply comforting to someone struggling in depression with, God knows what's going on. Mm-hmm he understands this. He even has words for it. And in the weight of this that drives you to speechlessness, isn't it encouraging you to know that God like, has already given you words for that, has already put it in his book, that this is part of the human struggle, part of human life, that he's not looking at you, just scratching his head going, what is wrong with you? What's happened? But rather he, he very much knows exactly where you are and exactly mm-hmm. what to do with you in the middle of it.
0: And Jesus even reassured that very truth. You will struggle. There will be trial and tribulation, like period. Like that is the reality of life. Not a lot of this get out of it quick, deliver me quickly, Lord, sort of stuff, which is, you know, part of the trusting the process of sanctification. You know, there's one of the conversation points, I think, earlier just in passing that I heard you guys talking about, which was really good. Just this this reality of suffering and uh, long suffering and just the reality of that. Like, we don't think of God as, you know, why does God allow evil and all these things to happen? Well, like, he can't stand it, but he's He's accomplishing something through it. Like, we actually get to enter into that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, hmm. for you are with me. And so there's this comfort both personally that, okay, in in any dark situation, the Lord is with me. But also that's been true for every single saint that's ever lived. Right. The Lord has walked with every man, every woman, every believer through every valley they've ever walked through in human history. So he knows something about the dark valleys. He knows something about the valley of the shadow of death. He knows something about the affliction. And to your point, and even to know that Jesus himself walked it, mm-hmm. like he, you know, he took on human flesh. He suffered as we have suffered, but without sin. And so he's even the one that's gone further in facing temptation to sin than any of us ever have. I mean, C.S. Lewis making the point, I think it was in mere Christianity that no one has no temptation to the further extent than Jesus because mm-hmm. Most of us in our weakness at some point give in. And usually when you give in, the temptation abates. Mm -hmm. And the more you resist, the stronger the temptation often grows. But doesn't Hebrews Mm -hmm. talk about that? Like None of us have suffered to the point of death like Jesus has. Yeah, he's gone the full, all the way to the end. But he's endured temptation to the very highest and never given in, which means he's known temptation to a Mm -hmm. greater depth than we've ever known. And yet he goes to the cross and suffers the penalty of sin in our place. And he's suffered to the point of death. For for our salvation, uh, oh, yeah,
0: I think that's the question that the author you know asked, like, which of us have you know resisted evil to the point of death?
2: Yes, and you're striving against it.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and. <laughs> The psalms gives us that language, psalm after, psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm. So, yeah, it's good.
1: Yeah. Well, I love how the book is structured because obviously there's a lot of writers here. I've been saying the word obviously a lot. Obviously. Yeah. Why I mean, do I do that? It's like this new, I just developed this word and then I say it all the time. That's, that's assumption. The all that it's so very randomly. <laughs> I guess. But then when you say like, it, it I can I be condescending it, to I'll, other people.
0: I realize it, but I'll reiterate it for your sake.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to help me eliminate that word. Obviously. Anyway.
0: Anyway. Well that'll help uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. He'll be like Shawna. you said it again. Um no, but what I was gonna say is the, the authors here they grabbed obviously <laughs> 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 Oh my goodness, you gotta edit that out. Nope. nope. It's staying. Oh in. no. Okay, so they took a psalms and they spoke to a particular you know emotion you know like you had talked about the anger and and we even have one on abuse and it's obviously very it's very good when you're helping those that you're counseling but one of the other things that I love I mentioned in our panel earlier that Lee actually wrote his in the form of prayer and Brad Hambrick took it um, another route and where he took his psalms and he actually like wrote it out for them and so you can actually see the psalms being written out as a prayer and so I think that's one of the things that we're really missing is you know those that I'm counseling and so hopefully it can be encouragement that those who are listening right now is how are we when we're in the counseling session, not just giving them prayer as a homework, but almost teaching them in the session, one, the beauty of the Psalms of how what y'all just spoke to, how you can relate, how you can understand it, putting words to maybe words you you don't have, but then teaching them not only the truth from the scripture, but then how are we turning that into a prayer, especially in the scriptures that's just being in awe of the Lord and being reminded of who he is. And truthfully, we we shouldn't
2: have to work hard at that Yeah, since the the Psalms are prayers, right? I mean, these are
1: and hymns um, and yeah, framed
2: very much that way. Yeah, and yes, they certainly hymns of worship. Mm-hmm. But even in our worship, they're a kind of prayer set to music. They're things we're saying to God and about God. And yes, yeah, Psalm fifty-six, verse one: "Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me." And just well, you don't do have you s- to
1: rewrite that. You there have to you go. That.
2: <laughs> you just sometimes it's just how do you take those words and that's what you utter to God all day long. An attacker mm. oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And even sometimes in saying that, in crying that out to God as we realize, oh, I need to believe that. I need to live from that very kind of posture with the Lord and God whose word I praise and God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Even the author of Hebrews is going to quote that in Hebrews 13 and as just if, what can man do to me if God is for us and with us? And so that's part of what I mean by you go to a lot of the Psalms and shouldn't have to work hard for these to be our, our prayers. It's it's listening carefully enough to the people we're serving, it's hearing their story and thinking it through in a way that we see the connection to the particular specific Psalms that seem the most sensible, most fitting for them. Mm -hmm. Then as we go to that Psalm, it's okay. how do we perhaps walk through it a verse at a time, but then also how do we then encourage others, okay, Make this your prayer now. Let's stop and just say these things to the Lord. Ask these things of the Lord. Confess these things to the Lord, whatever it might be.
0: Like using that to actually draw to draw yourself to the Lord, like be, yeah. being drawn to Him instead of continuing to push yourself further away. Because it seems like that's what happens a lot of times. And I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, uh, but it's, you know, when we're... When we're struggling with something, we tend to isolate from the Lord first and foremost, and then obviously horizontally as well with others. But this allows people to realize when in counseling that, man, Like this is where you can actually see this person struggled with the very thing that you are, but here's the difference. They're actually taking that to the Lord and you haven't. So you can see how these people engaged with the Lord. And that's the beautiful thing is a lot of people just don't know how to engage with scripture. They feel like it's this ethereal spiritual thing
2: when it's so practical and so full of reality in life. They just simply need to see it. And to your point, there's just certain conditions under which we tend to run from the Lord rather than from to him. And and one of them, and perhaps the most common is just when we've sinned yeah or when we've in get that some genesis way,
0: 3 mode where we run we run hide.
2: Mm-hmm. we hide and so to think about mm-hmm. psalm 130 where this psalmist is going to cry out to the lord from that very place mm-hmm. of being trapped and caught in his sinfulness and he says out of the depth i cry to you O lord and if we read down through the rest of that psalm we realize okay those depths are the depths of sin he says, you know, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to, to the voice of my pleas for mercy. There's the first tip off of some of what he's talking about. He's asking for mercy. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? He's just confessing this to God. Lord, if you were to keep track of all my sins in such a way and ask me to give an account, I wouldn't be able to bear it. Right. I wouldn't be able to survive it. He says, I wait for the Lord. He says, but there is forgiveness with you, verse four, that you may be feared. So even there we see he's such coming a to statement. God, yes, from a place of self-awareness of sin not i'm going to run away clean up come back when i'm presentable and then talk to god but in perhaps my worst conceivable condition as someone who is trapped in sinfulness i'm going to actually come to him then cry out to him then from those depths from the bottom of that ocean i'm going to cry that he would deliver because if he were to leave me to this if he were to count this against me i wouldn't survive but there's forgiveness with him so that he would be feared and revered and worshiped. And and so he's going to go on and talk about, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. Well, what's he waiting on? He's waiting on forgiveness, redemption, God's mercy, God's and grace. the full consummation hope. of it. And all that. And he knows it's coming. He trusts in this God because he's even going to turn at the end of, the, of Psalm 130 and call all of us, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forever. So all of you saints, hope in him. Don't hope in anything the world offers. Don't hope in your own efforts. And so to your point, even in, in the worst possible moments, when all of thing in us wants to sort of run away from him, the psalm says, no, no, run to him. Run to him with these words.
0: Like there's right. nothing you can go and accomplish to get yourself prepared and ready to come back to him because he actually holds forgiveness. It's his ability to offer. Yes. Whatever, Not yours.
2: whatever fig trees you're about to sow together. Yep or fig leaves, they're going to shrivel up by the end of the day. Whatever tree you think you're going to hide behind, it's not going to be wide enough. But praise God, you don't need either of those things, either a tree, that tree, or fig leaves, but you need him.
0: And that's the beautiful thing because that's what's happening. I mean, wow. you know, Elise mentioned it with the Proto-Ewangelion earlier in the podcast, but the reality is is they, they hid from their own works, right? Um, that they could actually hide themselves and cover up themselves, but God went to them and said, Where are you? Right. And the, the reality of that is, He offered to clean them. You know, you see that in Isaiah 6 as well, just this reality of you, you, there's nothing we can do to, to fix it. Nothing. And that's what's beautiful about the Psalms is just like, in which, by the way, John, just the fact that I'm sitting here with Logos and you're just flipping your Bible is awesome. Like you got all these Psalms just in the, just in the back cataloged, man. I'm impressed. I love it. <laughs> um, but no, it's just seriously though. It's, it's just, I, I mean, the Psalms are just unbelievably rich with forgiveness and mercy and grace. And we think that we always find that in the New Testament. It's just mm-hmm. interesting. And I even see that in churches where they spend so much time in the New Testament mm-hmm. and they, they, they just sleep on the reality of the Old Testament and how much soul work is actually done in the old testament for the saints.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Just Yeah, they're they're all looking to the same thing we are. Yeah. They're looking to to the promise of a Messiah, to a savior who's gonna Yeah, to the seed of woman who's gonna crush the serpent's head yeah. from Genesis three to, to that one that God is gonna provide. As a sacrifice, and all the sacrifices, all the offerings, all the—it's all anticipating yeah. His coming. Even what happens there in the garden, right in Genesis three, where God's going to strip their fig leaves away and cover them in the animal uh, in the skin of an animal. We his work, not theirs. Yeah, you don't get the skin of an animal yeah. without killing an animal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's—it's it's not the fur. He's not shearing a sheep. <laughs> <You> know, <it's, laughs> It's yeah. the skin. Yeah. And so blood is shed that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not theirs. Yeah. Some Something dies, mm-hmm. but it's just not them.
0: Yeah, some blood was shed in order to cover you.
2: Right, mm-hmm. and so there was... And that's going to echo all the way through the Old Testament. That's just anticipating his coming. They're all looking to it, waiting for it. Um, Even things that David's going to say in Psalm 51, kind of to your point of just grace throughout, you know, the Old Testament, where he's going to say things like, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. Against you have I sinned. He's going to say things like, purge me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. I mean, these are things he's saying a thousand years before Jesus comes, but there's no way this is going to happen by anyone other than the Son taking on flesh and doing it for him. And so, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. That's
0: very go. sanctifying language right there.
2: Yeah. We could go all day, right? In the yeah. Old Testament, seeing yep. how grace, mercy, gospel, and it's all building. And that's applied,
0: the the, that's applied theology. He's calling on God to apply that to his soul. And it's,
2: and it's the only thing he's,
0: yep. he's hoping in at this yep. point. Because he's got nothing left to, to, to lean on. It's just, ah, I
1: it's feel good. like after this podcast that everybody's going to move to Arkansas so they can be under your leadership well, do and learn from <laughs> you, <laughs> right? Stay where, stay where you're at. Bless your church. My husband's totally man crushing right now. Uh, I just,
0: I love getting on the <laughs> podcast and just talking scripture, truth scripture. and just, yeah. yeah, it's so edifying. That's yeah. good.
1: We need more of these podcasts, right? I even wonder if we should do a podcast for like a Psalms, have some of these that, you know, some of these authors who wrote this and just walk us through why they chose this scripture and then Have a Psalm series? Yeah, verbally Mm -hmm. talk about how they would use it in a counseling room, right? It's really good, I love it.
2: Yeah, God didn't put it in here for no reason. Of course. Like he, yeah, he- Obviously.
1: Obviously. (laughs) Hey, that (laughs) one worked there.
2: That's right. um, And I think we're meant to learn a lot about what we need by what he puts in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a lot about what we need to hear by what he decided to reveal and put in the content of scripture and and I mean, he knows who he's dealing with. He knows we can't really be trusted to come up with our own stuff. He knows that he's got to give us the best words to use in these kinds. So yeah, just mm-hmm. taking time and thinking through God's word applied to life, uh, always worthwhile.
1: Yeah, so good. Well, John, a lot of uh, pastors obviously listen to um, Speak the Truth. And so what kind of encouragement do you have to them for soul care within the local church? Any thoughts or tips or um, sense of urgency, anything that you want to say to them to encourage them? And, you know, I, I have pastors who reach out to me just as the executive director of ABC where They know counseling, biblical counseling needs to be within the church, and yet their church continues to send them out, you know, to counseling ministries outside of the church. They're trying to figure out how to communicate this to the elders to continue to try to change the culture of the church, um, how to equip leaders, which obviously the certification pathway is a good way to start your equipped to counsel book on that. But what type of encouragement can we give the pastors out there who are listening that yeah, they're like amen to a lot of the stuff that we're talking about Psalms, but just the fact that you've been in this type of ministry for so long, right, even from Denton Bible uh, here in Texas to where you're at now, what kind of encouragement could we give them?
2: Certainly I think to as many of the pastors that are out there are probably faithful to the scriptures, love to preach, love to teach, love to open up the word and expound it to groups. And I think it's, and maybe many do prioritize it, but whether they do or don't, just to value then the other ministry of the word, and that is the ministry of the word in conversation. That is, I think think most pastors value discipleship, but then something starts to happen when that discipleship faces real suffering. Like now that person being discipled shares about abuse they've endured. They share about ways they're abusing drugs or alcohol or food. They start talking about ways they're blowing up at their kids in sort of scary ways to Mm -hmm. them. They start talking about desires for death or suicide or depression or intense anxiety or panic that they get into. It's something about when those types of topics now move into the discipleship conversation that the instinct is, oh, this isn't actually what discipleship's for or this isn't something necessarily that the Word of God is about. So the first encouragement I would give is just to, to realize that all it, it, the personal ministry of the Word and the Word itself is about all those being human struggles. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing to realize, that what life is about, the Bible's about. And what the Bible's about is what life most needs to be about. Mm-hmm. And But then the second thing is to realize it takes time to both personally learn to really see the gospel connected to every detail of life to see the word of god applied to every detail of life it takes time to learn how to shape a conversation with the word of god to learn how to listen well to ask good questions to get to the what's really going on in people's lives it takes time to learn how to then draw that into the scripture and make that connection to the gospel it takes time to okay not just have a one off meeting where you give them some truth but how do i actually plan a conversation that may last 12 weeks, 13 weeks, 14 weeks, 15 weeks. It takes time to sow those kinds of seeds into the culture of a congregation Mm -hmm. to help the members of the body of Christ see that that it's not just for pastors and elders to care about that mm-hmm. kind of ministry of the Word, mm-hmm. but for every member of the body of Christ, but just to start sowing those seeds, to start seeing the connection in those kinds of conversations, to seeing the relevance and the power and the sweetness of God's Word in every possible burden of life, and then to commit to praying and studying and practicing and teaching and training and equipping the saints to do that very work of ministry, um, to realize that's a, that's a big part of what churches are for. Mm-hmm. So I love when, you know, in Ephesians 4, when it talks about God giving apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What he's gonna go on to say is, in, in Ephesians four fifteen is, but speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Let us grow up in all aspects into him who is our head and that is Christ. And what
0: is verse 13, we're all called to maturity, all to attain to the level of maturity?
2: Right, and so the, the very work of ministry, that pastors are there to equip. And the very thing that they've all been called to attain to is the art of speaking the truth in love, Mm -hmm. which is just another way of saying biblical counseling, Mm -hmm. the art of ministering God's word, God's grace, God's gospel, God's promises in the various trials of human life and struggles of human life. And so there's a lot we could say, but those would be a
1: few things. That's huge. That's a yeah, huge encouragement. I,
0: and, you know, it's it's funny about that because I, I think that's part, some of my wrestle in my, in my current position um, is trying to go beyond this instructional stuff that... We th- we kind of reduce discipleship to and focus more on which I think is where a lot of that lives of what you're talking about the relational aspect of it
2: because like it's one thing to and responsive to the trials of life
0: right yeah. it's like you get your instructional in the pulpit which is great. But then it's like what does that look like you know after a fellowship meal or a coffee on you know a day or whatever to encourage them and be in a relationship and you find out what's going on in their life and I don't know if I can get involved in that I don't I don't you know, let me let me you know let me get you to somebody else
2: yeah, because it's fascinating that if we were to really look at the proportions of Jesus's ministry, you know how much of it was preaching and teaching to groups
0: very little, maybe twenty percent yeah that, maybe
2: versus how much yeah, the eighty percent that was ministry and conversation. It was receiving the particular concerns and burdens and struggles and questions. Oh, a great point of the leper. That's where that
0: knuckleheadedness the, lived, I think. Right? They were talking who about. It said already. that. Yeah. At no, least said. Oh, uh, we're just, knuckleheads. Uh, we don't need that knucklehead or that knucklehead. He just chooses to use the knuckleheads. And <laughs> if you look at the disciples, man, they were knuckleheads. Yeah. They were. But and he spent most of his time just, you know, just talking truth to them and just showing them what this looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean, three years every day with him. Yeah. Hearing everything he's saying, being around him, watching his ministry, and after three, still not understanding. The wow. cross has to happen, wow. and we would be we would be no different. Yeah, and it's it's a great statement even on the graciousness and the patience, and the compassion of Jesus Christ. I mean, he heard what they were thinking <laughs> like, all the time. Yeah, he knew what they were feeling. Yeah. Like he saw into the hearts. And I just want to go. Why wasn't he the grumpiest guy that ever lived? I, exactly. All right, and <laughs> this is just curmudgeon of a <laughs> how savior frustrated like, you would be with us. <laughs> but like, what a testimony wow. to just his yeah. patience and his yeah. kindness and his mercy. And that yeah, these are the the men and the women he's going to take along yeah. these are the ones he's going to use to build his church mm-hmm. these are the ones he's come to to redeem and yeah. then and just that he was and he's not ashamed to call them brothers i mean what a statement that is that he would look at us yeah. and go not ashamed to identify with us to call us brothers and sisters to say this is my family yeah. you think of that image of, are there members of your family you might yeah. not be too quick to own publicly yeah, that you
0: don't even you like maybe see him once a year because you're just so embarrassed to be around them. and yeah and here's yeah.
2: jesus that says yeah i'm not ashamed mm-hmm. to call them family yeah like and so even yeah in all it's in all those conversations in all those one-on-one interactions or one to small groups that we really even see the wisdom and the faithfulness of of christ and his word in conversation and then paul and the other apostles they're just going to pick that up and mm-hmm. and all the pages to follow we're going to see that in action their understanding of what it meant to go out and make all, make disciples there was preaching and teaching but there was also just the ministry of the word and face to face conversation
0: yeah it was like it was all discipleship but there was those intentional formal moments and those informal moments and most of discipling happens in those informal moments
2: and even when Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians I mean he's responding Mm -hmm. to to fires to like relational and calls them saints at the beginning and he's gonna yeah he's praying for them he loves them calls them saints that God loves you you're redeemed and yet I mean, you got drunkenness at the Lord's supper. You got fighting over like we couldn't
0: even prayers. imagine that in our church today.
2: There's <laughs> like, just wait, four what G's,
1: yeah. There's
2: yeah. There's have, one man has his father's wife. Yeah. There's sexual immorality that even impresses the surrounding Greco-Roman world. It's mm-hmm. so outrageous, mm-hmm. and and yet, yeah, this is who Paul is interacting with. This is who he's going to go visit. And so, the Bible is not allergic to the struggles of human life into the worst of our burdens in fact moves toward us with real hope with real grace
0: that's encouraging
1: that's so good well john thank you for joining us today on the podcast and we need to have you on more often so hint hint we need to call you in obviously obviously yes well thank you guys for uh, tuning in to speak the truth
0: we will see you next time